Roofing.net. From the Jethro's Barbecue Studios, ask for the Pork Fanatic. Shaved smoked pork loin tossed in Jethro's original barbecue sauce. Topped with American cheese, fried pickles, and crispy onion strings. For 75 years, NCMIC has been doing the right thing for its customers, employees, and the community. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon, Ken Miller till the top of the hour. Matt Menasarian from Sports Info Solution, a former NFL scout for both the Browns and the Saints. He will join us. We'll get back into the NFL draft at the bottom of the hour. Uh, good to uh, catch up with Stuart Mandel, of course, from The Athletic, as he covers college sports, and he joins us to help us out with the NIL and other topics. Stuart, Trent Condon, this is Ken Miller. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Doing pretty well. Uh, Stuart, I want to um, ask you, when you first heard about NIL and thought, and uh, maybe didn't write it, but thought, you know, how, how big can this get? What does this mean? Was there a, a point that you thought, you know, some, some kids are going to make millions of dollars by staying in school, which I think is great. Don't get me wrong. I just didn't see the amount of compensation uh, coming their way. I mean, name, image, and likeness to me was a couple of radio commercials, maybe a T-shirt, maybe an autograph signing thing, uh, signing event, uh, putting a few grand in their pocket. <laughs> I didn't see the hundreds of thousands of dollars coming. When did you realize it might get to that point? Probably pretty shortly after it went into effect. Um, you know, I'm with you uh, in the, you know, we spent a lot of time, reporting and writing about NIL in the, I would say, year or so leading up to July 1st of last year. And a lot of that reporting, speaking to people who are already in the space, companies that were already starting to work with the schools, you know, the thought was, at least in football, if you're uh, Trevor Lawrence, if you're Justin Fields, if you're, uh, you know, a, a, a top of the sports superstar, yeah, you're absolutely going to have a chance to make seven figures in, in endorsement deals and whatnot. But that that would be the exception um, that for the overwhelming majority of players, it would be a chance to make some extra spending money. Clearly, that is not the case. And uh, and, and that's not because of, uh, I mean, that may have been born out of kind of a naive notion mm-hmm. that, that NIL would mostly take the form of social media uh, endorsement, local pizza place, that sort of thing. Uh, the amount of money that has entered the equation just for recruiting, just Boosters throwing money at recruits, at transfer portal kids. Um, I knew that some of that would happen. I'm not naive. I mean, some, as some would say, that's always happened sure. to some extent. But not at this scale, not so, um, you know, these collectives that we're seeing that are really well organized and, and kind of fundraising machines. Uh, for that to have reached the point that it has in less than a year is pretty staggering. You mentioned the collectives, and that has been a big topic of conversation here this week in the state of Iowa after Tyrese Hunter departs on the basketball side. You're a football guy, but it still goes hand-in-hand together. Fill us in more on these collectives because on the surface, boy, I mean, it's as close to pay-for-play as you can get, it feels like, at least the way that we look at it. Yeah, we saw it start to really become a thing, I would say, Frankly, earlier this year, certainly around the time of the, you know, December and February recruiting cycle, um, where you have a, a, 
it might be a couple businessmen in the community um, or whatnot who get the ball rolling uh, and, and get the donors to get the big money boosters together associated with that school and pool their money. And then they can start distributing that money, giving it out to the athletes who they think are the most important to have. And, you know, I do think some of that, and maybe more so in basketball, is about keeping the guys on your team. But in football, we're seeing it overwhelmingly go to recruit. And that, by rule, is not legal. Uh, you absolutely are not allowed to give money to a recruit as an inducement. But most people feel like the NCAA is powerless to stop it. And yeah. so we're seeing a wide range. You know, we're seeing uh, Spire Sports, the one associated with Tennessee, uh, my colleague David Ovid did a story on them in February, mm-hmm. and they just flat out said on the record, we we intend to invest significant resources in the 2023 class, and they've, they've absolutely done that. And there are others that are operating that way as well. Um, but then there are others that they, we, we may call them collectives, but they have a much different mission. Uh, the one Ohio State announced recently, not, I don't mean the school Ohio State, people associated with Ohio State, right. um, at least the way it's being marketed is more of a, charitable uh organization that will is also going to pool fan and donor money uh but with the intent of uh you know paying athletes to do appearances and whatnot at certain charities so you know there are certain schools that are holding out and hoping that they don't have to resort to this if you will um but i think that's going to become more and more the exception unless the NCAA is going to actually try to do something about it. So will this add another layer to a recruiting visit or that recruit that takes that visit? Do they already know, do you think, that what lies ahead as far as uh, NIL opportunities? I mean, when you get to, let's say, Ames, do you check out the facilities, meet with the coaches, maybe meet with some of your prospective teammates, go to see the facility, and then meet with the head of the NIL before you get back on your airplane and go back to your high school? Um, it's going to add a whole new level, right? Or do they know in advance what awaits them? Um, I think it varies by the school. I think it varies by the recruit. I've certainly heard of um, one school in particular where they're, you know, if you come to visit for the spring game, uh, part of your visit is you go to a hotel room and meet with the guy from the collective. Um, you know, some of that's being done, obviously, over the phone before they even get there. Um, but I know this. If you ask any coach, uh, you know, Lincoln Riley had a quote recently that recruiting already just doesn't even remotely resemble, I'm paraphrasing, uh, what it was before NIL, because it's it's now a main part of the discussion. Yes, the you know all the other stuff that mattered still matters in terms of coaching and ability to get guys to the NFL and championships and all that. But you know these kids aren't they they talk to their friends, they see what's going on on social media, and they want to know, okay, well if I'm coming, what what do I get? Um, what kind of deal are you going to get me? And that's where we're seeing a divide between the schools that have collectives. Well, you know, let, let me put it this way. You know, USC does not have a collective. What USC's pitch is come play for USC, come to LA and where people become superstars and Hollywood and whatnot. And we promise, you know, you'll, you'll be able to make a lot of NIL money. Oregon, which has a night, has a collective. Their pitch is come to Oregon and we'll write you a check. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, that's a, that's going to be a tough one for kids to turn down. Yeah, and they just lost a kid, did they not? I believe it was in your piece. They lost a kid to Oregon, uh, and Lincoln Riley thought he was, um, you know, he had a, he, he was coming. And all of a sudden, at the last minute on signing day, he ended up at Oregon, did he not? Yeah, five star offensive lineman, John yeah. Connerly. He was the last 2022 five star that, that hadn't signed yet. Also, um, last weekend, 
actually a guy from your state, yep. uh, Kyler Casper. Yeah, uh, right. You know, it, it wasn't necessarily certain which school he was going to go to. He ends up picking Oregon and reclassifying to 2022, hmm. uh, which is, if, you, if a kid is doing that, it, you know, kind of like Quinn Ewers last year when he went to Ohio State, he's speeding up the clock to when he can start collecting that money. And we've seen so much reclassification in basketball. I think that trickle-down is now happening on the football side, and more and more people getting out of high school early start collecting them checks. We're talking with Stuart Mandel right now from The Athletic. Stu, uh, one other part of this that I find so interesting, of course, athletic departments, universities are supposed to have nothing to do with it. Ken just brought it up, though. You come on your recruiting visit, and then you go and you talk to the NIL, the collective that is out there. The coaching staff has to have a conversation though they're not supposed to, right, with these collectives saying, hey, we really want this guy. I know he's not as highly regarded, but we really want this guy, so offer him more. Don't offer this guy. We're kind of slow playing him. I mean, that has to be a part of the conversation, though it isn't, right? Yeah, I I don't know. Yes. I mean, that has to be happening. Hmm. They're not operating. These collectives aren't operating in a vacuum. Now, I don't know if that conversation is being, you know, it may be one of those things where the head coach, isn't involved, but the director of player personnel is, Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, that message, but let's just put that, that message is getting to the collective somehow. And, um, if the NCAA, and I'm not saying they would do this, wanted to get aggressive about trying to shut some of this stuff down, what they should do is look, you know, subpoena, if you will, uh, the coaches text messages and see if they can catch somebody who was sloppy enough to send a text (laughs) to the guy at the collective saying, Hey, we need you to go get this guy. Um, I'm guessing they're smart enough not to do that. But, yeah. Um, yeah, certainly there's got to be some sort of coordination. Otherwise, you could end up in a really messy situation, and maybe this is going to happen where, because um, look, schools, you know, they do their own evaluation of kids, and it might not match with the 24-7 ranking. But you could see a situation where a staff says, this is the guy we really want, and the collective says, but that guy's only a three-star. Why don't we go pay this? four stars um and they're not on the same page that's definitely a possibility and and as it sounds right now what uh, what what uh, prospective player from um not an american would go anywhere with kentucky because somehow they found out they found the loophole because uh, on student visas you're not allowed to you're not allowed to work Stuart. uh but shishibwe falls under that he's from the congo yet he's going to make huge bank by staying at kentucky yeah, I don't know all the details of that, but, you know, that that I actually think is one of the uh, – and, look, I still think the benefits of allowing NIL far outweigh these, con- you know, unintended consequences we're talking about. But, mm-hmm. you know, the idea that somebody like him doesn't have to rush off the NBA. He can make stay in college and make it's money. great for us as um, fans. You know, SUNY Lee is, a, is competing at Auburn. You know, she's a mm-hmm. you know, Olympic gold medalist, and in the past they couldn't – uh, make any money if they wanted to play in college. Couldn't capitalize on their fame, and she can do that. I think that's a positive. Yep, the skier in Colorado, right? He was a football player, and he was oh a, yeah, uh, he was a skier. I, I can't think of his name. Yeah, Jeremy Bloom. There Jeremy you Bloom. go. Yeah, uh, twenty years ahead of his time. <laughs> he really indeed was. Uh, away away from this, just real quick, because I saw your piece on the uh, um, the uh, viewing numbers for USFL Week Number One, um, and they were. Okay, I guess, in context of the other spring leagues. But to your point, I mean, let's, let's talk after week five, right? Right. Does this league have a chance, Stuart? Well, I didn't write a piece about it. I mean, you maybe referred to it. was a tweet. tweet. Yeah. Yeah. And, yep. and, and that, yeah, I, I, I've never, um, 
I, I have a lot of friends at Fox from when I worked there who are involved in it. So I'm a little shy about, you know, being too critical, but, uh, I never understood the concept of this one. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no nostalgia out there for the USFL. And even if there were, you know, the New Jersey generals are playing their games in Alabama. Uh, right. So I think there's always a novelty. You know, the first week we saw that with the AAF a couple of years ago with the XFL. It's, are the fans going to keep watching four or five weeks later? And and it also, like the the original USFL had Herschel Walker mm-hmm. and Steve Young. Like they had Jim legitimate Kelly. big time players. Yeah. This thing, I, they don't even have, you know, I remember the AAF a couple of years ago being a little bit intrigued because there were a lot of big names from college, like Christian Hackenberg, who Hmm. were playing in that thing. I don't recognize hardly any of the names that are playing in the USFL. So I wish them luck. I wish my friends luck on that. I don't see a great outcome. Yeah, certainly doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of uh, intrigue for spring football, NFL draft, spring football, college variety, but that's about it. Sue, we are at a spot where looking at already the numbers that are out there as it pertains to betting, Looks like there's three, four, maybe five teams that can win a national championship. When when you look at a big picture, when there is so few teams that can win the ultimate prize, A, how can we get away from this and creating certainly more parity in college football at the top level? And is that a good thing for the sport as a whole? You know, it's interesting. I would love to see the overlap between people who, you know, don't like the fact that the same teams keep making the playoffs and also don't like all this NIL stuff because the way you the way that could the thing that's happening mm. that could actually create some parity is that the schools that are that whose collectives are throwing money at kids are not Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State. It's Tennessee. Right. Uh, it's Texas A and M. It's Oregon. You know, will it remains to be seen whether this model will work? But they are trying to buy their way into that elite club, and you know, and that would maybe freshen things up a little bit and you wouldn't see those same schools. You know, if, if you, Alabama's still going to get their kids, right? It's not like they're going to get, um, you know, suddenly not be able to recruit anymore. But if some of these other schools can, can steal a few kids away uh, from those schools, yeah, you might see the playing field even a little bit. Stuart Mandel from The Athletic. Uh, I think they've got about a buck a month sale going on right now, which is remarkable. Yep. Trent and I have been longtime mm-hmm. subscribers, and it's my first stop each and every morning. Well, Twitter and then to The Athletic. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, for a buck a month, you cannot go wrong. Stuart, uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, we appreciate uh, when we have you on periodically throughout the year. Thank you, Stuart Mandel. All right. Thanks for having me. Yep, good to talk to you. Stuart Mandel, uh, he is the... He's their college football guy. Yeah, he is the lead. The if lead, you will, right? Yeah. Uh, college football writer at the Athletic. You know what? It seems like, Trent, and I hate to use this word because it doesn't fit college sports. It seems like the innocence, and it's not wasn't innocent. No, I get that, but it seems like what if there was a sliver of innocence still left? It's gone. Mm. It's kind of gone, right? It's it's going to normalize and very quickly. Mm-hmm. It changes different. It changes. Oh, remember all the people that said, you know what? You can't have a playoff expansion. Trent will ruin the ruined regular season. Well, cost of attendance. Because you know, cost of attendance at USC, it's a lot more than it is in Iowa City. Mm-hmm. And you're screwed. Mm-hmm. Nothing changed. Mm-hmm. Cost of attendance inside your own conference. It's a lot more at State College than it is in Madison. Whatever it was, and that didn't make a hill of beans. And this ultimately is going to normalize, and it's just going to be part of the conversation and probably add more to the conversation during the offseason. Well, kids are going to stay in school longer, I think. Some of them, absolutely. Some of them, for sure. I mean, if you're you're a lottery pick, you're leaving. Right. 
right? But if you're on the fringe, maybe first, second round, you can come back and and, and you don't have to go to the G League or you don't have to leave your country and go uh, play over in Europe somewhere. Where it's depending on where you go, so, uh, some are better than others. Um, I don't know. It's going to be fascinating to watch it, but it just feels. This week feels different in college sports. It won't affect, I don't think it'll affect, I know it won't. I mean, am I, I going to not watch Saturday because, you know, the, the, the kid on the, uh, and the game that I'm watching is a million-dollar player? Of no. course not. No. Of course And it's not. still laundry. You're still yeah. cheering for the laundry. That's true. And you're cheering on Iowa State, you're cheering on Iowa, you're still cheering on your squad. Which, which leads me to a point on the USFL. If these were actual farm teams... Of, I'll use the Broncos. Mm-hmm. If the Broncos had their orange and blue uniforms instead of the, now the, the ones that they yeah. use now, if they were wearing those and wearing an, an old version of a Bronco helmet and the Broncos AHL team was watching, would I be more inclined to do so? I think I would. But we don't know the helmets. We don't know the players. We don't know the uniforms. If they used... You know, the Bears, a version of the Bears. And they play in Springfield, Illinois. Right. Would would be more would we be more inclined to watch? Yeah, that's actually think... kind of an intriguing part, but the NFL already has their farm system. Yeah, it's college football. It's college football. <laughs> and they don't have to pay a nickel for well, it. Well, did you see uh, I don't remember who tweeted it and I'm paraphrasing like crazy here, but the happiest people that NIL is um, is now in place are the agents who up until now were yeah. funneling money to the families. They no longer have to do that. They don't have to to uh, gain a family's trust and, right. and get a player to sign with that agency once he uh, reaches his pro career. Let's get Keith in here, then we'll get our break. It's coming up on 1125. We do have another keyword momentarily, but uh, we'll have to wait until we hear from Keith. What's on your mind, Keith? Hey, I don't know. I joined late. I don't know if you've talked about uh, you know the stunner yesterday with Jay Wright. Uh, there's been some, uh, obviously, it's been outpouring already. Jay Billis wrote a great column about this last night. I, I see this as storm clouds coming. You know, he, he's, he's dominated uh, in a lot of respects college basketball. Mm-hmm. No one's had more wins in the last six years in NCAA's than Jay Wright. They're a blue blood. And for him to retire, for him to retire at the top of his game like this with no warning, uh, I just I just mm-hmm. wonder how much the NIL played a part of this. Um, there was a writer yesterday locally in Philly said, you know, uh, kids come to. Villanova, a small Catholic school with some success. And of course, they had the upset and it went in 85, but nothing like what's happened right. under Wright. And uh, they just could not offer NIL packages like when the kid goes to visit Duke and they have a big old spreadsheet uh, from the collector about here's what we can do for you. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I hate to lose such a face of basketball like this. And I, I just worry about the next two years, what's going to happen when maybe some other coaches who are comfortably well off and they can do without mm-hmm. this say, I've had enough. Um, it's a fair I point. I don't know where it leads, but we lost a big, big guy on the Mount Rushmore yesterday. And I'm interested with the press conference tomorrow, what they have, what they ask him and what he's willing to say. But I think it's way too bad. Yeah, Keith, you, you make great point. Thanks for the call. Uh, yeah, I mean, you called him the best in the Final Four. And these were, <laughs> there were four, four Hall uh, of Famers. Four Hall of Famers. And you thought Jay Wright was the best of the bunch. There's no doubt. It's an interesting question. He's, what, 60 years old? 60 years old. Looks like he's 48. Right. Uh, he's got enough money for his family and his kids' kids, etc. Do, does that did that come into his decision process? Do you I know? think so. Is this going to be happening more and more because of the money that is in there? Mm-hmm. And what's the next shocker? Yeah, you know, I was thinking college. Who basketball. or what? Tom Izzo. 
Could you just see one day we find out someday in June? You just the hell with it. Well, they're all getting to that 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 age bracket. Right? I mean, how's Bayheim sticks? Well, he's around? he's gonna coach till he's hundred. Well, he's the one. He's a vampire. But, you know, it kind of leads me back to that word that I used a couple of minutes ago to, to get Keith's point here. Mm-hmm. It kind of lost the last sliver of innocence this week, I think. That's how I look at it. Maybe I'm naive. Uh, 11.27. <laughs> we will do this. It's time for another $1,000 home run. Pitch was delayed. <laughs> Enter this nationwide keyword at kxno.com, and once you get to kxno.com, enter cash, cash, at kxno.com, your chance at 1,000. We will speak with Matt Manassarian, Sports Info Solutions, when we come back. The NFL Draft is the in the spotlight next it's des moines sports station 106.3 the nba playoffs mean next level basketball get in in the first round of the action at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl this week new customers can bet just five dollars on any team to win and get 150 dollars in free bets instantly no matter what and if you're a returning DraftKings sportsbook customer you can bet on nba hoops with their same game parlays with a great deal going along with it. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Let's go T-Wolves money line tonight. We're going to go over Edwards points, 24 and a half. And we're going to say two three-pointers out of Beasley. That's what we're going to set up here for our same game parlay. Each day of the first round, you get a risk-free bet up to 10 bucks if the parlay doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code. You ready? KXNO. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their first round of the playoffs and get $150 in free bets instantly. You must use the promo code KXNO. It's at DraftKings Sportsbook. After all, they're an official sports betting partner of the NBA. You must be 21 or older. Iowa only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Minimum is a $5 deposit. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call one 800 do you remember the time that Michael Jordan won the first of his 3 P championships? It's been a while, but the answer is 1993. Do you know when Wolf Roofing started roofing houses? That's right, 1993. Wolf Roofing has been around for a long time. For your next roofing project, put the experience of Wolf Roofing on your side. Find them on the web at wolfroofing.net or give them a call at 515-225-8866. Or online, Wolf... Let's ride. Now back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Here's Ken and Trent. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. 1135 Thursday, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent's play of the day, Circus Sports. We'll sponsor that. That's coming up here in about 15 minutes right now. Let's talk some draft. Matt Manassarian, former scout with the Saints and with the Browns, joins us. We are a week away. Matt Manassarian, how are you? I'm doing great. We're almost there. Indeed we are. Uh, it feels different this year. I think it's maybe because, well, it's two reasons. The team that I root for doesn't have a first-round pick. Same. Uh, same with Trent and the Bears and me and the Broncos. But it just seems like um, you know all these teams having multiple picks, and there's a handful of them, might one of those teams, like a Green Bay, like maybe a Kansas City, do you think we're going to see a lot of movement in this draft, Matt, I guess is where I'm going, in the first round? 
Yeah, I think we could see some movement. I think the challenge this year will be when you have a perception of less high-end talent, no quarterbacks that people are really vying for. That kind of lowers the likelihood a little bit because all of a sudden uh, everybody is not offering so much to move up, so teams don't see the value there. But at the same time, we've had this weird stretch where we had the COVID draft, we've had eligibility rules change in college, and next year we already have, I think, seven teams that have multiple first-round picks uh, lining up for, for theoretically a more quarterback-friendly class. So I think all of the kind of radical uncertainty that's been going on, just the crazy NFL offseason that we've seen, I wouldn't be surprised by anything, uh, especially when you talk about you know the, the, the Chiefs packaging to move up, the, the, the Packers, that sort of stuff. Um, you're almost looking at these less like draft picks, like we're going to pick once per round, and now it's just like, Hey, whatever the value is, we all think we can move it and 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 slide up and down. So, um, I, I, w- I would expect some fireworks. Ready to go in and kind of dig into some of these top end prospects. I, for me personally, I think next week I'll be more intrigued what happens late, late in the first round as opposed to early on. It's just something about this top end. No quarterbacks, I'm sure, has a lot to do with it here. And let's start with what many people believe is the top player in this draft and Aiden Hutchinson. We've talked about him, Ken and I have gone back and forth a little bit. I I think the floor is incredibly high, but what about the upside? At his best, can Aiden Hutchinson become J.J. Watt? I think that uh, J.J. Watt might be pushing it like a little bit further than I'd be willing to go, Mm -hmm. but I think he can be like in the the same tier as a Bosa. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he can be a really good player in both phases, both the run and the pass game. What you like about him is that coming out, he's both got really great production. Like you said, the floor the floor is there. This is a guy with the 99 total points rating per pass rush. You can see that on nfldraft.sportsinfosolutions.com. That's basically a 99 Madden rating by our stats. Hmm. You can see he's creating pressure 11% above expectation, which is second in the class. So the production's there. It's, it's on the film. It shows through in the advanced stats. He's a low injury risk guy based on based on what we know about him. Um, and he's somebody who I think can be a double digit sack guy, like kind of right away coming in. Maybe not the upside, like the upside is not Chase Young. It's not one of these like Miles Garrett type players. That's just, there's just no player in the draft that, that we can tell is going to be that so far. Like, like you could with those guys, but I think, you know, right in that next tier, um, I think that you, you could be getting a, a sort of Bosa-adjacent player. Hmm. Yeah, that would work <laughs> if he's a Bosa type of player. You know, two years ago when Iowa State was getting ready to take on Oregon uh, in the Fiesta Bowl, we, we talked a lot, obviously, about the matchup, and we talked to some Oregon people. And Thibodeau was compared and was described to us as the next Von Miller in, in the draft, that this is, uh, that this is a you know, mirror image of, of Von Miller. Do you, do you buy that? Is is that the type of player, or is he one of them that you know really didn't take that next step in his development? Where are you on him? Well, the Von Miller is an interesting one. Thinking back specifically to when Von Miller was coming out, no, I don't think uh, I would say that Thibodeau was quite the prospect that Von Miller was. I think Miller was more in the category of one of those guys that I just mentioned you know, of the more recent, you know, Miles Garrett type. Um, Von Miller was, um, I think, yeah. I, I, putting aside a Von Miller comp, because that's tough to put on anybody, mm-hmm. um, I do think, though, you see a lot of similar traits 
from a Thibodeau, you, you do see that, like, the upside of what he could become. This is just a, a pure edge rusher, um, a guy who has enough kind of heavy-handedness to control the, the front and, and dominate tight ends and that sort of thing. But, you know, good length. Um, he plays um, is a really talented pass rusher. Again, another 99 total points rating guy. Um, when he was on the field, he was outstanding out there. I know there's a lot of chatter about, like, him being hot and cold. I think that's a bunch of trash. I think that the fact is that, that he did uh, have some injuries that kept him off the field at times, and so you don't get as much of the sort of sample size as you did of, of the level of production that we saw with, with Aiden Hutchinson. But um, overall, I think this is somebody who has the upside to, again, be a double-digit sack guy. He can be that early in his career. Don't think he's elite. elite. Like I'm not going to say the Von Miller, the Miles Garrett. I don't think that exists in this, in this draft. Not somebody you want backing off into coverage very often that's not where he's going to be at his best but but you know when he can pin his ears back this is a guy that's going to at least 30 pressures each year of his college career including 2020 which is a weird season for a lot of people so um he's he's been affecting the quarterback consistently despite what people want to say about you know him him dogging it Three offensive tackles within the first six players on your guys' big board at Sports Info Solutions. Evan Neal, I think most everybody knows him. He's an Alabama guy. He is an absolute behemoth, 6'8", 337. Charles Cross of Mississippi State, and then Iquanu from NC State. Of those guys, it feels like Neal, the, certainly the most well-known, a guy that I'd be happy to see a plug-and-play type of player. What about Cross and Iquanu, though? What Those two guys and how big the upside is for those offensive tackles? Yeah, I think these guys are a little bit different. So neither of them is the sort of like six foot eight, but still has the athleticism of a basketball player that, that you see with Evan Neal, and that's why he gets he gets the nod as, as our top tackle on the board. But you got different flavors here. So Charles Cross, he's more of a pure left tackle. What you saw at Mississippi State was an offense where they dropped back to pass just about every play, and you've seen it on the film through the advanced stats. Charles Cross was one of the most productive pass blockers in the entire nation last year when you look at, at, our, at our SIS blocking stats. So um, he's going to be ready-made. He's got the left tackle sort of athleticism that you look for. He's not going to be the pounder that you see as um, coming in and being a, a greater in the run game. That's not, that's not his skill set. His skill set is being a, a true great athlete and being a young player as well. All these players that we're talking about, they're young players with high growth potential, high upside. Um, really high, high upside as a pass protector there and to potentially lock down the blind side. Now, Iquanu is a little bit different. Again, we love him. We love all of these players, don't get me wrong. But he's a little bit more your prototypical right tackle. He's a little bit more that dominating run presence, somebody with a lot of power, somebody with a lot of tenacity that, that, that can move people off the ball. Might be um, more ideal to start out there his first year. But I think ultimately, again, you see all kinds of upside as a pass protector. Once he cleans it up, if he can clean up some of the technical things where you see um, he's just not quite as developed as a Charles Cross is, um, I do think he has the ability to play left side, right side, and be a dominant player in the run game and a very good player in the pass game. So just different flavors of what you get in here. If you want the big mean dominator type or if you want the true pass protector, um, those are, that's kind of how I would divide up Iquanu versus Cross. 
Uh, Matt Manasian is our guest. He was a scout with both the Browns and the Saints, which leads me to my next question, Matt. When you were um, you know, leading up to the draft and the days leading up to the draft, or well, the draft is ongoing and you're listening to debate amongst who that next player uh, taken should be, was there ever, did it ever get to a point where you know, that these, we want both of these players, but what separates them? And I'm wondering if the, the interview process, when they sat down, not watching them play on the field, but listening to them speak, um, did the inter, did the interview process mean more to one, uh, to some franchises in the NFL if there are two guys that they both like equally? Does that ever come into play? Yeah, I think absolutely. The, the, the character amount of, the, you know, not just the interviews, but all the character study that you do throughout the whole year, that's about half of an area scout's job, right? Everybody's got the film. Everybody can evaluate the film. But um, if you were to be able to um, get a really good sense from the strength coaches, the academic people with the programs, peers at the school, I used to love trying to uh, hang around and eventually start conversations with volleyball players, any of the other female athletes at the school, because the female athletes always know the football players and they know the real information about the football players. Mm. Uh, and you can find out who's a nice guy and who's uh, maybe not so nice, nice a guy pretty quickly. That way you'd be surprised. So that information gathering, it starts very early. You're tracking these guys throughout their college careers. At times you'll even reach out and, and talk to people from earlier in their development. The interviews matter. The psychological tests matter. All of this stuff comes together into the into it, and then of course you'll also see like the red flags. Just like you can have an injury flag that used to be the old red dot on the magnet, you could have a character flag, which was the old blue dot on the magnet. Hmm. And sometimes a character flag would flag a guy as as off your board, undraftable. Sometimes it would knock him down your board. And so definitely, when you're at the same grade range and you have one magnet with no stickers on it, and one magnet with a character sticker on it. You bet that you're going with that with that person that that separated themselves through the interview process, uh, and I think teams are only getting better at at their ability to sort through that because people realize just how important it is to, to development, right? We can all evaluate the athleticism yeah. what they are today. But how are they going to develop it? A lot of times that comes down to intelligence. Interesting insight on what goes into it. Matt, next week, of course, will be draft day. Let's uh, go on record. What's the, will there be a quarterback in the t- top 10? Will there be two in the top 50? That type of stuff. Uh, it'll finally be here. Sports Info Solutions. Sports Info Solutions. Matt Manasarin has helped us with this draft uh, for the last four weeks. We're grateful to that, Matt. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Matt Manasarin. As we uh, get inside the NFL draft, we will hear Trent's play of the day coming up next. Circus Sports sponsors that. Miller and Condon are on Des Moines Sports Station 106. With the first pick in the 2022 KXNO mock draft, Graphite Construction Group selects you. That's right. We're doing it again. Join the Sports Fanatics and Graphite Construction Group as we broadcast live Wednesday, April 27th from Ken's in the lower level of the Iowa Tap Room for an interactive mock draft. Rep your team, make the selection, and announce it live on air. And when you make the pick, I'll be there alongside Graphite's Russ Carew to provide analysis and breakdown. Come join us for a fun afternoon of football talk, drinks and apps, and a chance to win some great door prizes. Wednesday, April 27th at Ken's. 
Graphite's not-so-secret speakeasy. Want to build it better with us? Graphite Construction Group is hiring. From carpenters, general laborers, to supers and PMs, we're growing and need to add to our team. Apply online at graphitegrp.com. And we'll see you Wednesday, April 27th for the KXNO Graphite Construction Group Mock Draft. Graphite Construction Group, we build it better. Get in on the action with the world's largest sports book. Right at your fingertips. Circa Sports Iowa is where the pros play. Enjoy the highest limits, lowest takeouts, and competitive betting menus. Download, fund, and bet from anywhere in Iowa. Circa Sports Iowa. Sports betting the way it should be. Download your new bookie today. Visit CircaSports.com. Must be over 21 and present in Iowa to bet. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Trent's Pick of the Day is brought to you by Circus Sports. Download the Circus Sports app today to play with Trent or against him. All right, Miller and Collins, and final couple of minutes here on a Thursday NBA abounds. Lots of day baseball mm-hmm. here today. A uh, little puck if you're willing to go down that right. avenue. Yeah, the good guys were eliminated yesterday. I saw that. Hey. There was a, a big article. I didn't click on it. Said how they got here. First time in seven years they didn't yeah, make the playoffs. Brutal. The Winnipeg Jets. You're still. I'm going your to colors. go to my grave without a parade in downtown Winnipeg. Anyways, uh, what are you going to do tonight? Well, I'm going to play the baseball team that you root for, the Blue Jays, here this afternoon. Yeah, Gossman, right? It is Gossman going up against. I can't remember who it was. That's for a Boston. good matchup. Uh, Valdi, maybe. I'm going over though. No, eight and a half is the total. Get even money at that one. Going to mm-hmm. go over eight and a half. With the Blue Jays and Red Sox, that's a 12:35 first pitch. Here, just minutes away, the White Sox they got, got swept yesterday. The Guardians and did not look good in that process. I'm going to jump on the White Sox. I got Dylan Cease out there. We have had a volatile relationship, myself <laughs> yes, and Dylan Cease, have. throughout the last three, four years. But we're going to jump aboard again today. I'll lay the minus 137. How do I keep getting plus money with the Cardinals? I, I mean, if they want to do it, I'll keep going. Trent, they're, they're off to a great start. Thank you, Nolan Arenado, last night. I will get them plus 116 tonight at Circa. That is the price currently. I'll jump aboard there. One more in baseball. Give me the Mariners. Slight favorite against Texas. There's a better team than Texas. Uh, tonight, minus 126. And the NBA tonight. Utah, they're going to bounce back in a big way. Zigzag theory in effect here. I'll lay the six and a half with the Jazz at home. Going to be a charged up crowd there. And I have an emotional hedge. Uh oh. Give me Memphis against the Timberwolves. The excitement. We got the split. What, what's the number? One and a One half. One and a half. One and a half at circa. Mm-hmm. Two at a couple other spots out there. I will lay the short price with the Grizzlies tonight. Mm-hmm. Hope you're wrong. I do too. Don't do a parlay. That's when you get in trouble, right? That's when you get in trouble. Indeed it is. Unless you do those DraftKings, you get that insurance at the end. Those are nice. Those indeed are nice. All right, good stuff. Uh, We've got lots more local programming. Boy, do we ever have a lot of local programming coming up. In an hour and five minutes, Murph and Andy in here. Then the Fanatics slide in at three, but they're still not done. Joe Stacy and the Barnstormer Weekly tonight from 6 until 7. We're Miller and Condon. Thanks for being with us. We're here Monday through Friday from 10 until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.